Hi there, this is Taylor checking in with some conservation news from the past couple weeks for Pelicanus and intentional ecology. Working in the environmental field is an experience of some very high highs and some low lows. As always, there are horrendous environmental stories that deserve our attention, action, and mobilization, but it is our opinion that you can find those headlines in many places. But there are also empowering and inspiring stories that demonstrate major conservation successes from around the globe, achieved by real people who have grouped together to create a better planet. We've been collecting these stories and messages every week for years, and I'm still surprised at how resilient and creative both nature and humans are when facing big challenges. We've got about seven big headlines for today's Pelicanus News. I've categorized them into divestment, energy, and land protection. These stories are actually pretty special, and some of the energy ones especially are a little difficult for me to get my head around. But they're also reminders that conservation success comes in all forms. All right, this first category is divestment. There's one article here. Um, it's from Bloomberg.com. Cambridge University makes $4.5 billion fossil fuel divestment promise. The university has said it will quit coal and gas investments by 2030 and pledge to boost its renewables portfolio. After five years of sustained pressure that saw student protests and graffiti on ancient buildings, Cambridge University has committed to divesting its endowment from fossil fuels in a more comprehensive way than its peers have done so far. The 800-year-old university said that it will divest direct and indirect holdings in fossil fuels from its three and a half billion pound or four and a half billion dollar fund by 2030 and pledge to make significant investments in renewables by 2025. It also promised to ensure greenhouse gas emissions from the activities of all of its investments balance out to zero by 2038. The institution last year committed to reaching neutrality on its own energy related emissions by 2048. For some context here, um, the divestment movement gained steam in United States universities around 2010 as the urgency to act on climate change began to grow. As of 2020, non the nonprofit Fossil Free claims that investors with nearly $15 trillion worth of assets under management have committed to divesting from fossil fuel companies. Now we're going to move into some of the more complicated stuff. Uh, these are under the energy category. There's a few here. Um, this first one is out of theguardian.com. Um, what they're calling green hydrogen from renewables could become the cheapest transformative fuel within a decade. All right, green hydrogen made with wind and solar electricity could become the cheapest form of what the Australian government has described as a transformative fuel much faster than expected, analysts believe. Chinese manufacturers have reported making systems to create hydrogen with renewable energy for up to 80% less than official Australian estimates from just two years ago. Energy analysts said it suggested green hydrogen was likely to leapfrog hydrogen made with gas and coal as the most effective form of the energy before the end of the decade and by the time an industry could be developed at scale. The government has nominated clean hydrogen as a priority low emissions technology that could eventually help replace fossil fuels in transport, 
electricity, and in industrial processes as the world moves to cut greenhouse gas emissions. The reason why this article is confusing to me is because they don't go into great detail into what um, defines green hydrogen versus other types of hydrogen energy. And that's the first time I've, I've heard that term used in um, carbon energy discussions. So I think the takeaway is that this renewable transformative fuel is happening faster than um, what was believed. But I still want to keep an eye on this one because it's very interesting. The second one out of sciencealert.com. Physicists build circuit that generates clean, limitless power from graphene. All right. Scientists have been able to draw power from the thermal motion of graphene at room temperature, potentially giving us a clean future source of limitless energy for small devices. <laughs> the approach cleverly harnesses both the nanometer-sized rippling and the Brownian motion, which is also random movement of particles, found in graphene, producing an electric current that could be put to a variety of uses. The physicist Paul Thibato says an energy harvesting circuit based on graphene could be incorporated into a chip to provide clean, limitless, low voltage power for small devices or sensors. Now, while the energy produced by freestanding graphene is likely to be quite small, it could one day be a replacement for low power batteries and it wouldn't need any recharging or replacing. Now this is amazing and definitely something worth paying attention to because um, who knows where this technology could go. Third one out of LiveScience.com. <laughs> this is another one. Nuclear fusion reactor could be here as soon as 2025. A viable nuclear fusion reactor, one that spits out more energy than it consumes, could be here as soon as 2025. That is the takeaway of seven new studies published on September 29th in the Journal of Plasma Physics. If a fusion reactor reaches that milestone, it could pave the way for massive generation of clean energy. All right, I'm going to try this here. During fusion, atomic nuclei are forced together to form heavier atoms. When the mass of the resulting atoms is less than the mass of the atoms that went into their creation, the excess mass is converted to energy, liberating an extraordinary amount of light and heat. Fusion powers the sun and the stars as the mighty gravity at their hearts fuse hydrogen to create helium. Now, I'll let you read into the science behind it because I barely understand it and I won't embarrass myself trying to stumble over it. But in seven new studies, researchers outline the calculations and supercomputer simulations underlying this design. Now this design is expected to generate at least twice as much as 10 times more energy as is pumped in. I don't know why they would, wouldn't just say 20 times more energy, but hey, whatever. The heat from a fusion reactor would generate steam and steam uh, would then drive a turbine and electrical generator the same way that most electricity is produced nowadays. Another a headline to keep our eyes on because that could be really big. All right, now this next one, this is um, a little bit more familiar. We've been we've been um, paying attention to this in previous episodes, but um, 
This has to do with pandemic economic recovery. So Canada's liberal government is going to spend $10 billion on clean energy infrastructure to fuel their pandemic economic recovery. This is coming from cbc.ca. And this is similar to several other countries that we've identified, but Canada has promised to spend $10 billion on infrastructure initiatives such as broadband, clean energy, and agricultural projects, part of a plan to boost growth and create 1 million jobs after the pandemic pummeled the economy. This plan has five different elements. $2.5 billion for clean power to support renewable generation and storage and to transmit clean electricity between provinces, territories, and regions. $2 billion to help connect about 750,000 homes and small businesses to broadband in underserved communities. $2 billion for large-scale energy-efficient building retrofits. $1.5 billion for agricultural irrigation projects to boost production, strengthen Canada's food security, and expand export opportunities and $1.5 billion to speed up the adoption of zero-emission buses and charging infrastructure. It feels like we're watching something very special with these kinds of things. Now on to the last category, what I'm much more familiar with, uh, land protection. All right, both of these are pretty much um, very, very similar, but both as revolutionary. Um, this first one is out of abc7news.com. California will dedicate 30% of its land to conservation by 2030. So Gavin Newsom announces in a press conference that California will dedicate 30% of its land to conservation by 2030. He said that the executive order codifies efforts already underway to preserve and protect over 30% of the state's land, extending out to the state's coastal waters as well. The goal of the executive order is to preserve biodiversity and prevent ecosystem destruction. The executive order directs state agencies to, quote, maximize the full climate benefits of our natural and working land by maintaining healthy soil, restoring wetlands, managing forests to reduce fire risk, and creating more parks and green areas in urban environments. California will be the first state in the nation to do this type of land and coastal conservation. And it's very special um, to see that this is happening. And that leads us into the next article. Um, <laughs> this is out of mongabay.com. Because of the United Nations summit that is occurring right now, world leaders pledge to protect 30% of the planet by 2030. In the midst of a planetary emergency, 71 world leaders have endorsed a 10-point pledge to accelerate action to reverse nature loss by 2030 and tackle global warming. Justin Trudeau, Yacinda Ardern, Emmanuel Macron, Angela Merkel, Prince Charles, and Boris Johnson are among those who signed the leader's pledge for nature, stating the world is in a state of planetary emergency. The pledge addresses sustainable food systems and supply chains, eliminating unregulated fishing, reducing air pollution, integrating a one health approach, and the participation of indigenous peoples in decision making. News of the leader's participation comes ahead of the United Nations Summit on Biodiversity. So just for context, um, the United Nations uh, 
acknowledges that we're at about 15% protection around the globe um, of land, 15% protection of land, and about 25 to 3% of protection of the oceans. The goal by a lot of conservationists is 50% protection, but 30% has been pushed since the early 80s. And, you know, the f it, who knows what this means, but it's taken 40 years to get us to this point, and that is truly special that something like this is even being discussed, let alone implemented right now. So I hope these stories bring you some optimism and lightness to the middle of your month. And, um, and thank you. I look forward to sharing more with you in the future.